All right, fans, once again, thank you guys for tuning in. I want to give a shout-out to Gil Manzano for tuning in and joining us on Voice of the Fans Podcast Week 85 with our pre-NFL draft talk. Gilbert's great, great dude. Gave you some good nuggets there, Cleveland. I'll tell you, Isaiah Simmons, I know you got him going early. I think he might be there for either the Dolphins at five or the Chargers at six. That's going to be a big pickup for either one of those teams. Um, Sunday night, Cleveland. The Last Dance, episode one and two. Did you did you watch? First, let me without assuming you watched it. Did you watch him? And did you did you enjoy it? Did you sit down? Did you have your popcorn ready? Uh, I did watch. I was in eager anticipation as to how uh, glamorous they were going to portray Jordan Allah, and uh, they did a fantastic job of doing that. So now, week 23, you want to give me somebody else's name as the best who wore the number 23. And I'm going to give you a chance in in front of the fans. Let the fans actually told me to tell you this. Are you ready to retract your comment on who wore number 23 best? Am I ready to retract my comment? Yeah, yeah, retract your comment. Are you, have you been corrected after actually watching the documentary? I know you were doing a lot of tennis playing back in Newport um, during the 80s when MJ was doing his thing and later on in the 90s. I don't know what you had on, but are you ready to retract your comment as to who wore number 23 best? Because you did give me MJ, and I'll leave it at that. So, so please refresh my memory just so we can, you know, Update the fans. Who did I say wore best? Well, you said the greatest guy to ever play basketball or put on a pair of um, gym shoes or some something blasphemous that you said. And it wasn't MJ. It was at number 23 for the Lakers currently. And you have a problem with that? Again, I was asking you, after you had a chance to watch episode one and episode two, did you want to retract your statement, sir? That's that's what I'm, I'm giving you. A I, I, oh, okay. I'm giving well, you a well, I, just, I, just, I, I just wanted you to, to uh, you know, make it public once again, just in case some of our fans hadn't heard where this was going before. Uh, no, I did not stand down one iota on what I said before. Oh, my goodness. Okay, okay. So I just want you to get the megaphone and the microphone out so you can, you know, read what happened. Yeah, I did that for a dramatic effect. Yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. laughing. At, they're laughing at somebody. It ain't me. It ain't me when they say when that topic comes to the fruition. Did you learn anything new after watching the documentary? Did you learn anything new after watching episode one and two? You know, I learned something new, and then I remembered something that I had forgotten. The thing that I learned was that uh, during Michael Jordan's injury. They let him go to North Carolina with absolutely no supervision and get all the way to playing five on five with people. Um, whoever let that happen should have been fired immediately on the spot. I don't, I don't even know. That's absolutely totally impossible to happen in this day and age, of course. But I was like, wow, what a crazy risk and gamble mm-hmm. on his part and on their part being somewhat careless with regards to the supervision. But it was early, early 80s, you know. Everybody gets a pass on it. The thing that I had forgotten was just how bitter 
the contract dispute between Scotty Pippen and the Chicago Bulls had become um, going into the 98 season and just how disproportionate it was to not only himself on the team, but the rest of the league. Which, right, of course, yeah. if you feel you know, that you're a player of that top caliber, how much dissent that must, you know, that must be able to cause, you know. Right, Especially yeah, when he got sure. into the, you know, the conference finals in 94 and, you know, back in 95 and uh, Jordan came back late in the season. So, you know, those two things were, were very interesting to me. Mm, okay, okay. What are your thoughts on something I'm eager to ask LeBron about when I get the opportunity? Is he changed the game, and and I we're at, we're talking about NJ. We're talking about the documentary. I get it, but LeBron changed the game in a few different ways, and I'm willing to give him credit for. I think Kobe was the last of the of the breed where there's no friends on the court. I think if I. Correct me where I'm wrong, but I think Kobe was the last of that breed. Where LeBron is much more, everybody says he's much more magic than Jordan. He's much more smiley. He's much more, he gets along with, on the surface, he's much more inviting and endearing to his teammates, you know, except for the obvious situation with uh, the shooting guard. Why am I having to bring forward with the shooting guard who, Got the rebound and and didn't uh, J.R. Smith right? Oh yeah, J.R. Smith for sure. Um, other than that, he's much more endearing, much more inviting. You know, they have the banana boat got crew. He has friends throughout the NBA. He's on. He's made these guys friends and team or competitors and teammates alike. He made friends with all of these guys, right? Where as Jordan didn't make friends. Um, Jordan wanted to beat you. Um, and if he took you out, there was probably some playing with Charles Barkley, going out, to spending time with Charles Barkley. There was some arterial the motives that he had. He wanted to get Barkley off of his game, not only get into his head mentally, but then you know get him off his game so he can beat him on the court. Where LeBron is kind of trying to work out with guys. LeBron is trying to coach guys up, giving the mentality. And then you got to appreciate that. And when I get a chance to ask LeBron, I want to ask him, like, did he have that intention of being that inviting leader that he's become? Did he have that intention of being that inclusive leader that he's become? Because that has really changed the game. Now, guys, you see guys, um, except for we hear – the Greek freaks say, no, I don't want to work out with him. I want to beat him. Uh, we hear Kawhi Leonard say the same thing. But the guys, those are a couple guys that aren't joining the, the fray there. But a lot of guys are becoming, you know, buddies around the league. And you see guys working out all, along around the league. You see when James Harden goes to Houston, him and Westbrook remain friends. Um the only reason Westbrook and KD didn't remain tight at first was because the way KD just jumped ship and didn't really communicate that, his intentions with the team. But, you you know, Ray Allen leaving Boston, I mean, that was a long time ago. So I say KG might have been along that same boat with Kobe. Um, 
where if you once you leave, if you're not with us, you're against us. That that type of mentality. I just want to ask LeBron, did he have that mindset coming into the game, or when did he develop that mindset? Because I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing that he he has done that. I don't know that I'd be accepting to it if I was in the in the league, just because again I'm more like the Greek freak. I want to beat you. I don't. I, I will, I'll see what you got. Or you'll see what I got when when game time comes. I'm not going to show it to you kind of as I'm working out. Um, what's your thoughts on that? And then that is the comparison. I just bring that up to say in comparison to uh, Michael Jordan, that's one thing I would like to talk to LeBron about because Michael Jordan was, you know, um, you got to come, you got to come follow me and get your game up to my level. And then once you get your game up to my level, we're going to be, we're going to be able to beat anybody in the game. And they did that for six years. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think LeBron James certainly doesn't bring the same demonstrative, domineering um, personality that Michael Jordan had. Um, I think it's, I think it's by design. Uh, I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with it. I think that's just kind of the way the game is on. I think you're absolutely right, saying that uh, you know Kobe was the last of a dying breed. I mean, we remember you know watching uh, sports you know, watching. Uh, you know, shoot around where he was just, you know, berating people and everyone thought it was like, you know, bullying or child abuse or something. Whereas, you know, 20, 20 years ago, it's just, if you, if you watch Michael Jordan's uh, practice, it would look the same, if not worse, right? So I definitely don't think that LeBron has that same type of personality. In addition, I think that he's adapted to um, the collaborative aspect of things. Uh, and everyone else has kind of followed suit with that. In addition, he's kind of looked at everyone as kind of, uh, you know, not necessarily my, you know, arch enemy, my adversary, but, you know, we're all kind of doing the same thing. And, you know, at some point, you know, these chairs may, you know, stop in a different place and, you know, we're all together, you know, we're businessmen. And let's, let's, let's kind of see it as such. Let's not see it as, you know, I hate you because you wear that jersey. Who knows how long you're going to wear that jersey? You know what I'm saying? And, you know, this generation has come up, you know, playing together a lot more and being a lot more interacting with one another. And so it's not the same type of animosity. This isn't the Pistons and the Bulls, which we will see in your show, and you know, on, on the weekend. We'll kind of see how that whole thing plays out. And people watching today, they will not have any idea of what that even feels like or looks like. So he's also been the person that, took the control out of the owner's hands and really emphasized the word free agency. Yeah, that's like, true. I don't go where I want to go. Good point. And it's not it's not you holding me here and oh I have to trust you to put the pieces around me. It's like no I'm going here and he's going here. Or no I'm coming back here and you know, because you guys kind of already have that, go get that piece. And no, okay, I'm going out to uh be the next big purple and gold star, but you got to get that guy. You know, kind of calling the shots from the, you know, the inside out as opposed to kind of being more controlled by, you know, the billionaire owners. He's been at the focal point of that, of right. that movement. So um, I think that's actually probably going to be the biggest thing of his legacy. You know, obviously he took the championship eight straight times, but man, he put the heat together, he left him. Got a championship in Cleveland, you left them, you know, 
Yeah, we're going to in L.A. So, I mean, you know, it's like, and but it's not him sitting back and waiting for everyone else to orchestrate this for him. He was doing this on his own. And yeah, other players are taking the lead with regards to that. That is very much so. And uh, to take it a step further, taking the power out of the ownership's hand is one thing he'll be remembered for. But then bringing his guys along with him and kind of, giving them jobs and to say giving them jobs is kind of doing a disservice to, to Rich Paul and, and, and what they, what those guys are doing, but to allow them to grow with, when he, as he grew um, and put it, helping them get into the, those, those rooms, those boardrooms, those meetings, allowing those guys to, to develop their career with him was is another thing that he's uh, very much credited for. So um, kudos to LeBron James for that. And, again, I didn't want to get into LeBron James versus MJ. I just wanted to kind of touch on those two differences just because we see the demeanor that Michael Jordan had on the court. So uh, kudos to him. One more question about those Bulls. When Michael Jordan, now there's a bunch of conspiracy theories running around of, you know, David Stern asked Michael Jordan because of gambling to kind of take a take a year off. Um, the mob wanted was after him, so he kind of had to take some time off to kind of get that uh, fixed straight. Whatever, whatever, whatever the case may be. There's, I'm not sure I believe in any of those. I think he legitimately, once he lost his father, he wanted to fulfill kind of a dream that he and his father once had. Uh, as ridiculous as it sounds, the leading most popular guy, the best guy in the sport at the height of his career goes to play baseball is kind of wild. I grant you that. I just not sure there was, um, it was because of, because of what these conspiracy theories said he did why he, he did what he did. Um, I'm not buying into any of those. Do you buy into those conspiracy theories? And had he not retired, and take that year and a half off, do you think the Bulls could have beat the Houston Rockets and possibly went eight in a row? First off, I will not uh, address the uh, previous subject that you uh, brought up with regards to why Michael Jordan decided to take a hiatus. Part two, um, I think that the 95 team would have been a little bit more difficult to beat. I think that once he got the addition of Clyde Drexler, um, he would have had a little bit something to prove, um, considering that Mike kind of had taken his thunder from 84 to the time they met in 92. So this would have been 95. Taking taking his thunder. He had bear Clyde in that that championship series. Like, he was licking licking his chops. That was the second championship. He was licking the chops, ready to get at Clyde, and that was embarrassment. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, 90, 92 was rough, and everyone um, always berates the uh, Portland Trailblazers organization for not taking Michael Jordan when they already had a number two guard and my director that was averaging 28 points. Now. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, it, it's kind of a twofold the way that he kind of, uh, you know, has derailed the Clyde Drexler Express, so to speak. So I think the 95 team would have been a little bit more competitive. 94, um, I still think they they pretty much got a Houston that one. I think they might have been a little green. Um, They were kind of lucky to get past the Knicks in seven, but by 95, 
the team was a well-oiled machine, and they, they would have had no answer for that. I think in those two series, in those two years anyway, they were the Rockets that that is were four and or three and one against the Bulls uh, with Jordan playing all those games, meaning that they had consistently handled the Bulls in the, those two years that they played because you know back then they played twice a year different divisions. Um, so that's something that again obviously we'll never know, but that's always interesting to throw out there could Michael Jack, uh, Michael Jordan had he not retired at the height of his game like he was that was the height of his game um, that when he, when he decided to step away from the game and before he came back so I'm going to ask you what is just be, it may be, it may come up against a um may have already happened in the, in the documentary. It may come up against the the bad boys. What is your lasting memory of Michael Jordan? What is my lasting memory of Michael Jordan? Yeah, on, on the court, um, on the court, on the court. What's, when you think of Michael Jordan and what he did and how he played, what, what's the thing that sticks with you the most? I guess the thing that would stick with me the most is I don't really I don't I can't really say anything particularly that he did on the court, just his influence on pop culture as a whole and just how the league and the world kind of views him. It, it you know okay. legacy, I guess. But there, I don't think there's any like one particular player any one particular signature move that he had. I mean, we're all aware of his, uh, you know, his competitiveness that, you know, is obviously unparalleled and those kind of things. You know, his defensive prowess and long. Um, you know, there were some clips uh, when they were showing a young Jordan. I swear there was this one clip that seemed like he hung in the air for like five seconds. It was crazy. Like, just how can he actually hang in the air that long and then get the pump in and, he was like, wow, again, Jim, before he knew what he was doing. It's always fun to watch those kind of clips, but no, no one particular thing. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna narrow this down for you and kind of give you where I was going with this. I'm not gonna, t- I'm not gonna refer to the layup when he jumped on, jumped off to his foot on the left side of the box, kind of. Finessed his way between Derek Coleman and the net center, and then laid the ball up on the right side of the hoop. I'm not gonna. I'm not talking about that. I'm not gonna talk about when he dunked on Patrick Ewing after Patrick Ewing closed off the baseline. He turned around. There was another Nick there. Then he was like, "Okay, Patrick Ewing, I'm gonna dunk on you. I'm going over you right here in the playoffs." Came back and just put it in, in Pat's face. I mean, just so. Uh, abruptly, I'm not going to b- talk about that move. I'm not going to talk about the shrug that he when he was hitting the jumpers and he shrugged on the aforementioned Clyde DeGlide Drexler after hitting six three. I mean, again, we think so. How long ago things were? We thought six threes at that time was like, oh boy, he's uh, what amazing job he was. But that was in '92. He hit six threes and ran down the court and just shrugged his shoulders like, why they keep leaving me open? Why would they do that? I mean, that's, I'm not talking about any of those moments. 
my lasting memory of Michael Jordan. Now, again, I'm not going to talk about when he was when he Dominic Wilkins was robbed in the dunk contest. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to talk about the push off um, that he had against Byron Russell. Oh, to well, end his career. Well, well, thank you. Well, thank you for referring to it. Is that at least um, as a Jordanite, which is what you sound like right now? At least well, you're yeah. willing to admit that in some type of objective, you know, perspective. So please continue well, with your list, though. I'm I'm just I'm just named I'm just named at, least, at, least, at least at least at least you're on the other side of the Jordan line, so you can actually you know refer to it as that. And you know, other I, people will say you know you just touched them or just was holding okay. the balance well, or whatever people say. You know. Here's what here's what here's where I am. I watched the Bulls to see who would beat the Bulls. Who could beat these guys? I was a Detroit Pistons fan, so the Detroit Pistons smacked them around. They had the Jordan rules that beat them up. Once he once he was able strong enough, the Bulls became bad enough to beat the Pistons. They was running through the league. It wasn't even close. But I was not a Bulls fan. I was not a Michael Jordan fan. And I'll gladly say I'm I'm so proud to say this. I'm not bought one pair of Air Jordans. So tell you I wasn't a ball washer like a lot of these guys was. I, I had not bought one pair of Air Jordans. In fact, I think I bought me personally spent my own money, my earned money on one pair of Nike. Ever, um, so I am reminiscing. Jordan was clearly the best basketball player around, and I don't even know how you fix your mouth to say something different. But what what sticks with me again? I watched the Chicago Bulls to see who was going to beat him, and it was when he retired. Like it seemed, it, it truly seemed like there was a, a lag or a lull in the NBA because he was not there. It seemed like something was missing. It, it did. And I wasn't a fan. It was just seemed like something was missing. So when he returned, I was like, I'm gonna appreciate this guy. I'm gonna appreciate his game. He came back with the fadeaway. He came back with the the jumper that was just um, his fadeaway jumper was it was money. It, Jumper off the dribble. I mean, it was his his mid court game was just exquisite. But there was a play. Kevin Johnson of the Phoenix Suns. Kevin Johnson, probably in the second quarter. I, I can't remember exactly the scenario. Probably in the second quarter, Kevin Johnson shook him up and went to got to the baseline, made a layup. And Kevin Johnson was a good player. I mean, he was a good guard. He he couldn't stand a chance one on one against Jordan, but he was a good player. He shook he shook up Jordan, made a layup, and was ta- was cheering to the fans. They were in Phoenix. They were cheering to the fans and not really taunting Jordan, but he was feeling himself after this play in the second quarter. Jordan, the next six times down court, <laughs> singled up was looking, was bringing the ball up court, looking for Kevin Johnson, maneuvered the, the the guys around. So it was Kevin Johnson on Michael Jordan, and he worked him every time down court. And he had to be talking to him just because of, on the play previous would set that off. Kevin Johnson was, again, cheering and getting a fan, you know, pumping up the crowd, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that had to set Jordan off. And he came down down. It was six plays in a row where he pumped fake, went to the hoop, layup. He came down another time, gave him his footwork, baseline, jumper over, over Kevin Johnson, 
all these plays were over Kevin Johnson. It wasn't over Dan Marley. It wasn't over the next guy who was guarding him. All he maneuvered the uh, uh, manipulated defense. So Kevin Johnson was on him, and it was like six plays in a row. He just gave him the business. And again, it was Kevin Johnson. I'm not talking about he he did it against Kawhi Leonard. I'm not talking about what he did against uh, again the Knicks, the 55 points against the Knicks. I'm not talking. I'm just talking about that. I remember that, and. I was like, this guy, <laughs> this guy has a problem. Like, somebody shows him up, he's coming back at him, and that was that was just so amazing to me. And that's my lasting memory of like what Michael Jordan is, his fixation. When he gets fixated, and then we hear the stories of him making up, um, making up stories to 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 get pump himself up, making up stories of why he doesn't like this guy, so he can go out and give him forty. We heard the stories of, against J.R. Ryder where – I think it was J.R. Ryder where he – oh, excuse me, it was Steve Smith, I think it was. He starts counting from 42 backwards. Like, boom, that's 40. Boom, that's 38. And boom, that's 36. Smith, uh, Steve Smith didn't know what he was talking about. But then by the second quarter, he's like, oh, he's, he's, he said 42. He was counting backwards on what he was going to score that night in the scoring 42. I mean, it's like Jordan was so masterful at the game of basketball that that's my lasting memory of Michael Jordan. That will be my lasting memory of Michael Jordan, what have, what he did against uh, uh, Kevin Johnson, you know, besides the, you know, the three championships in a row, the two, should I say two, three-peats in a row that somebody obviously overlooks. Somebody, I mean you, actually. Wow, man! You know, you know, you sound like you sound like uh, those teenagers that don't know how to don't know how to put cologne on, so they get the big bottle of obsession. They're like, "Well, damn! I just keep putting more on. I'll just smell better." (laughs) I mean. That by the end by the end of the time you're done, uh, it's like oh damn the whole bottle's gone. I mean I'm gonna smell like a session for like five days. Damn. I mean I'm I'm just reminding you of what the guy um, was capable. Oh of yeah, man, decadent man. No, your 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 soliloquy was just absolutely fantastic, man. What uh, couldn't Jordan do? Oh boy, you know what I'm saying? Here wow, you here you go. Just the uh, ruthlessness, man. Remember that one time he. Tapped on the backboard two times and then spun around and uh, spin around the other direction and then and then threw it down. Listen, crazy man. Listen, listen to you. I mean, he does have a few more um, big plays than your guy. Remember that time he went for for sixty seven on one ankle? Like the other ankle was in a calf. He just he just you know just runs up and down the court. I don't think crazy what you need to do. I don't I don't think fans are appreciating your your sarcasm. I'll say that. I'll leave it right there. It's crazy what Jordan can do. Cleveland, let's take a break, man. When we come back, we're going to have some couple more NFL topics, and then we're going to get into what everybody's been waiting for, the unveiling of Voice of the Fans, Hip Hop Bracket, who is the winner. So, Cleveland, let's take a break right here. Uh, the people at What's Good the Sports want to talk to you. 
talk to the fans and make sure you guys tune into the website. Every Cleveland, have you seen the What's Good in Sports website? Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Lots of uh, positive stories and lots of great content. Um, the people they told me uh, personally, make sure you guys go visit the website. So please, when you get a chance after the show, check out the What's Good in, what's good in Sports.com website. All right, Cleveland. Once again, man, Voice of the Fans podcast segment three. We do it every week. This week in history, back on four twenty two, fifteen twenty six, the first slave revolt occurred in South Carolina. I mean, they couldn't take it no more. That was the fifteen fifteen hundreds, man. It was just the beginning. Nineteen thirteen. What is that? Nearly 400 years later, the National Urban League was founded to help fight causes. 1910, 423, Granville T. Woods invented automatic air brakes. Did you ever hear that? Did you know that? I mean, this was 1913, or 1910, excuse me. Air brakes was invented for automobile. It's not. I know that he was uh, an inventor on the walkie-talkie as well. So, okay, quite the inventor. Yeah, kudos to him. Cleveland man in the NFL. Another reason the NFL stays on top of everybody's mind is all year round. There's some something to talk about. If it was, if it's free agency, if it's a draft, if it's a trade being made, if it's a what team is developing, what team is trying to make moves to stay on top. This week we had Rob Gronkowski announce his return to the NFL, and as he said a couple of years ago, he would only play with one quarterback. And would you know it, he's going down there to Tampa Bay to play with Tom Brady. Did you expect that? Were you surprised about that? And what do you think Gronk has left in the tank, if anything, at 30 years old? Not too surprised, Cam. Um, you know, life outside of football is just not – it just doesn't give you the same type of rush, really. Um, you know, WWE? tell you that. It's probably those paychecks ain't the same. Oh, yeah. Sure, you know, and uh, you know, just what it is that you do and what it is you represent. I mean, it's just not the same. Um, and he had a, a chance to heal. Um, you know, but the new collective bargaining agreement has uh, a few nuances in it that the last one didn't, which could probably um, contribute to him being able to stay eligible for the whole season if you're reading between the lines. So that also helps. And, uh, you know, he retired prematurely. He was just burned out. I mean, you know, he was up a year. I mean, Marshawn Lynch did the same thing. So, I mean, you know, not surprising. Okay. So, now if you were running the Buccaneers, do you trade O.J. Howard? Or do you keep O.J. Howard so he can learn from Gronk? Um, You keep O.J. Howard so that he can run – two tight end receiver sets like the Patriots did when they were at their most devastating. Um, 
and understanding that Grimes probably is not going to last more than two seasons at most. So um, you would be foolish to trade O.J. Howard, and kudos to them for not including him in the package that sent Gronkowski to the Bucks. because that was the original rumor, and I was like, oh, no. They do that, they're just completely out of their minds. Yeah, that would have been a wild one. So um, do you think that rumor is true, that they're just not having fun in New England is kind of the reason Gronk retired and Brady wanted out? Or is, does that – how does these guys leaving New England look upon Bill Belichick? Well, Tom Brady was there for 20 years, so there's really no, um, no issue with being burned out from that perspective. And you can certainly understand that. Gronk, I think it was just, um, you know, it, it was overly disciplinary up there. And I think perhaps if he was with a coach with a little bit, for example, if he was playing for Pete Carroll, I'm not quite sure he would have retired, still healthy enough to, you know, play. But just, you know, kind of understanding the grind that he would have had to go through and just kind of the the regiment that it takes to kind of be on the Belichick ship, it just probably wasn't, you know, something that he was interested in, you know. I think in a different environment, he he perhaps would have reacted differently. So, um, yeah, I think that the Belichick um, overly disciplinary and way that he handles things definitely contributed to his retirement. That's a good question. Okay. Also, there's been rumors that the Jacksonville Jaguars are seeking trade partners with their number one draft pick from a few years ago, Mr. Leonard Fournette. Seattle is rumored as being one of the teams they're looking at. What do you think Fournette is worth? They are not. Why? 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 Don't do that. Uh, What do you mean? Don't do that. I mean, I I heard the Miami Dolphins was looking at him. I heard the Miami Dolphins was looking at him, too. Talking about trading that 18, huh? No, no, he's not worth the first round. Yeah, you you, you, you like it. You don't like those players coming to your town, but you want to turn around and throw them on my town? No. I mean, they need a running back, though. Man, no, man, cut that out. I mean, come on, nigga. You can't, you can't come say that. Come on, man. The, the Dolphins need a running back, too. Well, they're going to draft one. They're going to draft one. Well, what's going to get in the second ten for Fournette? Uh, a second? I Nobody wants third. Fournette, man. Nobody what? wants Fournette. Come on. I mean, That's come why on, he man. hasn't been traded. Nobody wants yeah. Fournette. He has three years in a game. What would you give up for that? I'm not giving anything more than a fifth rounder. A fifth rounder? He was a first rounder. He was a first round draft pick, number four overall, three seasons ago. Man, that running back from Ohio State looks way better than Fournette to me. That running back from Wisconsin looks way better than Fournette to me. Come on, man. That running back from Utah looks way better than Fournette to me. Last season, last season, Fournette had, what, 900 yards rushing, 700 yards? Uh, less yards less than 1,000 yards? You said less than 1,000 yards playing with Gardner Minshew? Wow. Wow. And you want him up here messing around with my squad? No, man, we never know what you No, actually, actually, I take that back. He had 12, 1152. 
No, he did what not. Game? Come on. Where are you getting this, these stats, man? I'm looking. I'm talking 2019. Look, look at 2019, man. Turn to the right page. Pro Football Reference, he had. Look on the right link, man. Come on, man. Leonard Fournette is garbage. You know Leonard Fournette's garbage, man. Don't try and tell me I know Leonard Fournette. Hey, come on. I mean, I'm looking at numbers. He had average 4.3 at his best season of his career. 4.3 yards rushing per carry. Wow. Then why are they trying to trade him? Then why are they trying to trade him? 76 76 Then why are they trying to trade him? Then why are they trying to trade him? So he had over 1,600 yards from scrimmage. He was he wasn't far off your guy. C Mac. Dolphins sure Dolphins sure could use that. I hope you guys end up with him. Oh, listen to you. you oh you man, but you got the shit you you got the door spy, the door closed, you gonna change it from open to close off of that like that? Yeah. Wow. It will change that stack quickly if it even thinks comes up here. 16-74 yards from scrimmage. That's what he had. I wonder how many other. I wonder how many other guys had had that. Oh, oh, because you guys got uh, Chris Carson, huh? Let's see what Chris Carson Carson did. Let's see what he did. Let's see what Chris Carson. Let's just you know just for shits and grins, man. We voice of the fans. We talking to the fans right here. Let's see what Chris Carson did last year. Oh, look at that. Would you look at that? Four point four. 1,230, well, 1,230 yards rushing. What do you have receiving? How many? He had 37 yards receiving, 252 yards. Hmm. Wow. What did, what did that add up, uh, add up to? That's almost 300 yards less yards from scrimmage than your boy Fernet had. But you rather ride with Carson. That's what you rather ride with. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, you, know, you probably don't hear yourself, but you should have heard the astonishment in your voice when you got to the wrestling arts. You were like, oh, damn. You sure did squash that dude. Like a bug, like a jelly bean. Yeah. We no, don't really like, need Fournette up here. No. That, was, that was the best record of I mean, Yeah, no, no, no. It was, it was straight shock. It was straight shock when you when you went across a little spreadsheet. You're like, oh, wow. That was the best. The number is higher, isn't it? That was that was his best. Uh, and he missed four games. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. He missed so many games. We had to go get beast mode out of retirement off the couch to come in and help us. Okay. Oh, because that's how effective he was. That's how effective he was. Because he was injured. Oh. It was the same way that Leonard Fournette was injured. The same way Leonard Fournette is always injured. So what do we need him for? Fournette played 15 games last year. He played 15 games. Man, and I'm sure that 305 weather will do him good. Keep his muscles nice and loose. So, so nothing for Fernet. Yeah, huh? Nothing. Nothing for Fernet. Wow. Okay. Fifth rounder just gets him, gets him a spot in training camp. He just, you know, fifth, ra- fifth rounder gets him a spot in training camp. Oh my goodness. You guys, you guys actually, you guys are Seattle boy. You guys sure get get high on yourself pretty quickly, because. It's not like you got a stable, uh, stable running back there. I mean, the best one. We're about to, we're, we're about to replenish this this season, my friend. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wait and see. Yeah, we've been waiting on their running backs to develop for years. We've been waiting on that. But but enough talk about that, Cleveland. It's time to announce who is the hip hop bracket winner. Last last week we decided the number nine seed moved on and. Upset the number one seed. Nothing but a G thing. 
came out of the West region to upset Cream coming out of the East region, and they're going against they're going against the Midwest winner, the number one seed. Lose yourself. Who beat up on the number four seed from the South area codes? So we have a number one versus a number nine seed. You know, when you just look at it initially, you say it's not a match. But when you look deeper into it, you see both of these guys, oddly enough, were produced by one man. As you mentioned, one one song launched a record label. Another song just established the other guy as the preeminent hip-hop artist in all the game, giving him, what, a Grammy, best movie. I mean, all kind of awards you just don't think a rapper. wasn't the best movie, but it did win a grant. It did win an Oscar for original uh, score, but yeah. Original score? It wasn't. It didn't get best movie. Probably should have. It did but. not get. It did not get best picture. So sorry. Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. Well, I mean, they were close enough. They were nominated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, man, who do you go with, big guy? Who 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 walked away with the first hip hop awards championship? Is it ain't nothing but a jinx thing like Drance Snoop or Eminem's Lose Yourself? I mean, both both are bangers. I'm not sure one competes with the other, though. Myself, personally, I got to go with the song that launched the label, man. Wow. I, I gotta go with the song that uh, launched the career of Snoop Doggy Dog. Wow. I with the song that, uh, you know, held the coast up. Wow. Bridge of the NWA. Now, I thought we could do this civilly. I thought we both can just come to an agreement on which song was the best. But you gonna, we're gonna have to turn to the fans on this one. Because I. I Maybe I, I, I vehemently, I vehemently disagree with you, Zach. Believe yourself, man. Over nothing but a G thing. Wow. Yeah, well, that, wow. that's something that we're gonna have to turn to the fans. Fans, can, we need. Can you look at yourself? Can you look at yourself in the mirror and say that out loud? You got a mirror in your house, Cam? I mean, come on. Do you have Do you have a mirror in your house? I do. Okay. Can you go to the mirror and say, I'm going to listen to Lose Yourself for the rest of my life as opposed to listening to Nothing But a G thing for the rest of my life? You only get one. You got to bring it with you everywhere you go and everything you're doing. You can only bring you're it with you. not up and spit out and boot off stage. I mean, I mean. That's you can only bring one, man. You can only bring one of those songs. Yeah, that, which one, which that one are you song bringing? One song depicts a story, man, where he was there. Well, one song kind of, yeah, launched a revolution. Is that what you're saying? Hmm. Well, we're going to have to turn to the fans on this one. I didn't think it'd be, I didn't think we were going to have to do this. I didn't think we were going to have to do this. 
I didn't think we were going to have a DVC do it. I thought it was kind of, you know. Relatively understood, man. The other song is a very good song, man. But I mean, you know. He said the other song is a very good song. <laughs> Cleveland, let the people know what you're, where they can find you on social media, man. Oh, they can find me at Cleveland on Twitter and Cleveland still on Instagram. You can also find Please me. Please put this to Please put this to man straight, man. This is your man, Cam. You can find me on What's Good in Sport, Voice of Fans on Instagram. We're going to send this link out. I, I need you guys to vote. I need you guys to let Cleveland know. I mean, I, we already had to educate him on who, who's the best in basketball, best player ever in basketball. We had, to talk, we had to do that earlier today. Now we're going to have to talk, educate him on what's the best hip-hop song ever. And the choices are nothing but a G thing or lose yourself. So it's going out. It's going out there, and we're gonna have your. We're gonna have it decided by next week. Which song the fans think is the best song? Voice of the fans. You guys got to chime in. This is your. This is your platform, fans. So chime in. Cleveland, I want to thank you as always for tuning in, partnering with me to do this show, man. It's, it's been awesome. Also, want to give a shout out to. Gilbert Manzano for t- tuning in. NFL draft tomorrow. I know you guys are excited. Thank you guys for listening to it. We're going to get a quick turnaround on this podcast so you guys can hear every step of the way. Please be sure to rate and review our podcast. If you got any pocket and vote on this, and vote on this. Well, don't, right, don't, don't just leave me out there just just hanging out out there on a string, man. You know what the truth is. Vote on this. Oh, listen to this guy. He, he, he's trying to egg you on. I'm just going to tell you, it's out there. Vote on it. We want to know your feedback. I think the fans are smart enough to know what was the best song ever out of the two of those. So we're going to have their feedback. We're going to announce it next week. Cleveland, thank you again for tuning in to the, to the podcast, and we'll get at you next week, sir. All right, bro. Can't wait to do it. As always, fans, want to thank you for making our voice your choice. Marcel Smiley right here. Thank you for making our voice your choice. You know what I'm saying? Let me give me a beat, dog. Let me get something. Let me get that. <laughs>
Hey, I'm doing well, Cam. Uh, thank you for having me on. How are you guys doing today? We're doing well, man. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, thank you, Gilbert, for making time for us. I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy man out there. I know everything is crazy right now at this time of the year, but as we get into it, man, your feedback is going to be so tremendous going into this NFL draft. The fans want to hear what you got to say. This is the Voice of the Fans podcast. This is your man, Cam. This is week 85 of Voice of the Fans podcast on October, uh, uh, not October, April 22nd. Every week, Gilbert, with the date and the week of the podcast, we come up with two numbers. This week's number, April 22nd, number 22. When you think of number 22, Gilbert, who wore it best or what's the first player that came to your mind? Man, that's tough. 22, huh? You got to think either a cornerback or a running back, but nothing really pops out of my mind for 22. Nothing pops out. I don't know. Okay, okay. Well, I'm sure Cleveland got one that I had a little confrontation with a number 22 earlier in the year. Well, about <laughs> this time last year, uh, Cleveland, who who do you think about? Think of? Oh, you sure did, Cam. Let me come off the top and up with that. I would have to say the person that worked the best would be the greatest wrestler in the history of football, uh, in the Smith. The person that comes to mind, though, I'm going to have to go with the Glide, man. Being Clyde up here from the 206, Clyde the Glide Drexler, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I thought you'd go being from the 206. I thought you'd go with the old-school cornerback, Mr. Dave Brown, or even Elgin Baylor as from Seattle U. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we got to come. Mm. Good one, too. So, yeah, we had a little – Emmitt Smith and I had a little confrontation. I was trying to compare his uh, career to Melvin Gordon, and uh, he had to set the record straight, man. It was, it was, pretty, <laughs> it was pretty comical. You got to follow YouTube, Voice of the Fans on YouTube, type in Emmitt Smith, tell, give me some homework to do, and you'll see it. It's pretty comical. Um, also, week 85, number 85. Now, you should have an easy one for this one, Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Chad Ochocinco, man. Can't forget that one. It's in the name. <laughs> in Spanish, okay, 85. Sure. Ochocinco. <laughs> okay, okay. I thought you'd go with the former Chargers tight end, Hall of Fame tight end, oh, Antonio, Antonio Gates. Gates. It's yeah. kind of hard to pass up uh, Chad Johnson when the name's in it, Ochocinco, but you're right. Antonio Gates, 85, a, a legend for the Chargers. I didn't even think of Ochocinco, to, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> who, who you got? Who you got, Cleveland? Oh, without question, man. Also, Cinco. I mean, Chad, Chad changed the game, man. He, you know, uh, persona grata, you know, the antithesis, the, you know, the meaning of a number one diva receiver, that's him, man. Hey, well, diva receiver, that is him. Actually, guys, the, the first guy that came up my mind was uh, Jack Youngblood, the mm-hmm. old linebacker for the Los Angeles Rams. Rams. Yeah, so, you know, toothless. Um, running on the shaky legs that he had. That was the first guy that actually came to my mind. So, Mr. Gilbert, Chargers beat writer. Now, you know you know who I, who my team is, Gilbert. You already know who my team yeah. is. I want, you to tell, I want you to tell me why you're not concerned with the injuries of quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. You, you, you know, I, I'm not – I guess, you know, to, to put it this way, I am concerned about Tua's injuries, but, you know, covering the Chargers and looking at it from a Chargers point of view, I tell myself, there's got to be one team out there that's willing to take the risk, uh, the medical concern, you know, 
possibly having a hip replacement down the line. And I keep going back to the Chargers. As you know from covering the Chargers camp, uh, there's a second team in Los Angeles. They need a star power. They need a star attraction. They're going to a new stadium. And when you look at the draft prospect, who's the biggest star in this draft class? you got to say Tua. So I think it's kind of a match for these two guys, the Chargers and Tua. Uh, star attraction in L.A., put them together. I know the medical concerns are a big problem uh, for any team. Uh, but when you gotta, sometimes you got to roll the dice. Uh, I've been watching these uh, these throwback drafts on ESPN from like 2014 or 2011, and you're seeing a lot of guys who are, who are considered project, pro- projects or guys who are risk concerns, red flags, and some of them did pretty well. I just thought Khalil Mack was drafted by the Raiders, and they were bashing that pick. Khalil Mack turned out to be pretty pretty good. But, yeah, going back to Tua, uh, the injuries are a problem. But I just feel like sometimes you got to take a chance uh, sometimes a guy has injuries in college, but he's okay in, in the NFL. Uh, so I keep going back to the charges to roll that dice. And if we're talking just about football, you guys know how talented Tua is. He's probably the most ready quarterback to to produce in the NFL, even even maybe even better than Joe Burrow. A year ago, as you know, being a Dolphin fan, you're, you're talking about tanking for Tua. If you're tanking for Tua, there's a reason why, because he's such a talented quarterback. Uh, so you put injuries aside, Tua could be a star uh, down the line. Okay, well, I am a Dolphin fan, as you know, but I never agree with the tanking for Tua. Absolutely. Cleveland, I want to tell you all season long, I hated the theory, tanking for Tua. And then we have the – that was before the hip injury. That was with the two broken ankles, wow. the broken wrist. Then we have the hip injury. So I've been against this. Um, I just don't think you, you go with a number five pick. Now, if he, fell, if he, if he falls and he's there at 18, oh, you you pick him up. I can't wait to get the um, the scorecard up there, but I don't. I know he's not going to fall, but I'm just scared of the injury. Why draft a guy who's not going to be available? And I will let me yeah. backtrack and, and get off the draft a little bit. The league or all of Los Angeles was excited, and the, the Chargers reporters was about the talk of having Brady come to town. And I wasn't excited mm-hmm. about that, but I tell you what. If I knew it was a package deal with Brady and Gronk, that would have got me excited. <laughs> even though, even though I like Hunter Henry, if it would, if I knew that package deal was coming, that would have got me excited. And then I think that would have got some fans excited. So that would have changed the whole dynamic. That's a pretty interesting move that Tampa Bay made there. Kind of side note. However, back to back to Tua. Him with Justin Herbert. If we assume that Burrow's going to go number one, I've always said the Dolphins should give up their their draft uh, capital to go up and get Burrow, but they're not doing that, it, it, or it hasn't happened yet. Um, Justin Herbert or Tua? You're still riding with Tua, even injuries aside? Or so, so, my, so just to pick a quarterback between the two sides, like just the best player from those two guys? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, you, you said a lot there, Cam. I didn't even think about the Gronk and the Brady connection for the Chargers. Like, now I'm thinking, wow, what, what if Brady went to the Chargers and then brought Gronk? How, how fun would that would have been to cover that team? Oh, but that now you got me. Th- now you got me thinking about that. Yeah, that would <laughs> that would have been exciting. Like I said, I didn't think I didn't think up getting getting rid of Rivers and getting a quarterback five years uh-huh. older than Rivers made any sense at all. I didn't that I didn't like that at all. I never liked that. I never bought into that. However, if you got if that was a package deal with Rob Gronkowski moving into SoFi Stadium, now we're yeah. talking. Now we now we got some buzz there. <laughs> now we get people excited there to just to see what's going on there. But 
you know, obviously they moved down to Tampa. So, but that that would have been interesting. But now, yeah, you're right. You know, we we have to kind of move on to the draft, and you know, you know, sometimes you know, put it this way. Uh, when 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 you kind of bring the free agents or, or the veteran guys who's kind of done it with other teams, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem like it's your guy. You didn't go through the battles with that player. So, yep. you know, what the Buccaneers are getting with with Brady and Gronk, it just doesn't feel right. So, you got to build through the draft. You need to like the new young fresh face to kind of build your franchise. So, I think that's why the Chargers have this very important draft coming up to kind of get some new blood, uh, to kind of give them uh, some juice, give them a, a a jolt for the franchise going to a new stadium. So. So perhaps you, I know I know you're following all the reports for the Dolphins. Maybe the Dolphins don't even go for a quarterback and they get the best available offensive tackle. So then you're the Chargers and you're, you have to decide between Tua or Justin Herbert. Uh, I, I keep going back to the star power that Tua brings. I know you shouldn't draft based on star power, but when you look at the film and you ask yourself who's the guy who's ready to go 2020, I know you want to think about 10 years, four to five years down the road. I, I think Tua right now is probably the best quarterback from these prospects, even Joe Burrow, because this guy could read defenses. Uh, he could play fast without making mistakes. He's accurate. Uh, he could play the RPOs. He's still he's mobile, but he's a, he's a pocket passer. He does everything for you if you put aside the injury. So if you're asking me who, who would you take, uh, just based on a quarterback uh, talent, I will go with Tua over Herbert. But I do like Herbert a lot. I know you being a Dolphins fan, uh, you, you're you're reminded of Ryan Tannehill, but Can Justin help? Herbert has all. <laughs> I don't oh, know, I'll get you started on that. But Justin <laughs> Herbert has all the tools, man. And sometimes when you bet on the tools and the upside, sometimes it pays off pretty big. So I'm not gonna knock Justin Herbert, but I just feel like Tua is also probably the, the most polished quarterback in this draft class. Yeah, uh, I, the Dolphins had three drafts in the first round. And I'm just seeing. I'm just waiting to see how they're gonna mess things up. Uh, my excitement is, is I have no reason to be excited about what they're doing down there in South Florida. Not zero at all. Cleveland, what you got to say, buddy? Yeah, exactly. Um, with it, with the draft, you know, kind of shaking out the way it is, and with a very good chance that Tua and Herbert or one or the other will be available when the Chargers pick at number six, would you consider this draft a failure if they don't get a franchise quarterback at the six this year? I don't think so because you do have Tyrod Taylor there. I know Tyrod Taylor is not the, the exciting quarterback. We've kind of seen what Tyrod Taylor could do for you. He he could lead you to a playoff appearance, uh, but we don't know how far. Maybe, a, you know, win a wild card game, that's about it. Uh, but so I feel like if you don't get that quarterback right now, I think you you can still build off Tyrod for at least a year or two. And then you start looking at the other guys who are there. What if you get Isaiah Simmons, like we brought up on top of the, the podcast, Simmons and Derwin James. I, I don't even know if that's a uh, consolation prize. That, that's a that's a gold gold medal right there. You get Simmons to pair up with Derwin James, and sometimes when you have a star-studded defense, that could be enough to kind of ride you through to his playoff run. Even if the quarterback's a, a, an average quarterback, I don't want to call Tyron Taylor an average quarterback. He has a cannon of an arm. He's, he's mobile, but he's kind of the middle-tier pack. So sometimes when you got a good defense, all you got to do is score is maybe 21 points, and that's enough. So. Throwing Simmons to match with the Chiefs and the AFC West, and that could be a fun thing to watch. I like the way you're thinking. I like the way you're thinking. In fact, <laughs> in fact, it was about week five or six, I can't remember exactly, when one of the reporters out of San Diego came up, and they had mentioned the first time I heard that it might be Rivers last year for the Chargers. They were like, they didn't sign him at the beginning of the season. Rivers didn't push for an extension. 
And so the writing kind of was on the wall that that was going to be their last season. It was about week five or six that I heard that and it kind of blew my mind. The very next week I went to Tyrod Taylor and I asked him, I said, when you signed, when you signed the deal you did with the Chargers, having familiarity with Anthony Lynn, did you have this, was this discussed or did you have this in your head that Rivers doesn't, won't have long to play with the Chargers and that you'll kind of just step into the role? And he just kind of smiled and looked at him and said, I've been in this league a long time. You're not going to give me that one. So he didn't, he didn't come out and say yes, but he didn't, come, he didn't say no either. So that led me to believe that either maybe it was talked about, it's like, just hold tight, you're going to get your opportunity. Maybe, And I could see Lynn saying, just hold tight, you're going to get an opportunity when you be ready when we call you. And I feel like the Chargers, should be comfortable. And that's why another reason I wasn't excited for them going after Brady. I thought they can comfortably ride into the season with Tyrod Taylor. Now, is he going to be Patrick Mahomes? No. But can he, with a solid defense, a solid run game, can he get him some wins? Is he going to lose a game for him? He's not going to lose a lot of games for him. But he's also not going to go out there and throw 350 and four touchdowns. So don't expect that type of game. But if you get on, if you get Isaiah Simmons, and you have this tremendous defense, as you mentioned, that's given up less than 21 points a game. And you can get a couple touchdowns on them, um, on offense. And you can get one on defense. Oh, boy. Now you, I think now this is something that they can be comfortable. Is it, is it that excitement that uh, Telesco, uh, somebody, who, somebody asked Telesco, are you going to look into make a big move going into the new stadium? Is that the biggest, boldest, brashest move that they can make? No, it's not. But it's a consistent move, and if you can build a defense, I'm gonna say Tyrod Taylor is better than Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer did win a Super Bowl <laughs> behind a great defense. Your thoughts, Gilbert? <laughs> well, we gotta we gotta slow down and try to compare the Chargers to the 2000 Ravens defense with Ray Lewis and those guys and Ed Reed. Uh, but it is a good. <laughs> but you're right; it's a blueprint there. There's, there's sometimes defense is enough to kind of win a championship. Uh, you know, you look looking back at the Broncos 2015. With Peyton Manning, who kind of had a, a fatigue arm, and they, Ron Miller and those guys, you know, did the, the bulk of the work. So sometimes it does work there. Uh, but you, you talk about getting a, a star player. When you don't have a, a star quarterback, sometimes the best thing you can do to kind of get the, ten, the tension of the fans to sell tickets is to win games. If you have a defense that's winning a bunch of games, they want to come watch Joy Bosa, you know, potentially, I said, same as Derwin James, Chris Evans Jr., uh, Casey Hayward, Melvin Ingram, the list goes on. Then that could, that's how you kind of sell tickets. But it is kind of intriguing to see what they do, uh, you know, if they go away from quarterback in the draft. Because they also need a, a left tackle. I know we're, we're, we're intrigued by Isaiah Simmons, but you could never go wrong with drafting a lineman, a left tackle to plug in there. And as you guys know, you got to build to the trenches. And if you have Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga, one of these top left tackles, now you have a, a very good line there. And maybe that kind of helps out the Tyrod Taylor to not just be an average quarterback, to be a better quarterback. Quarterback, uh, maybe who reaches another level. Level. I know it's year ten for him, but sometimes when you got time to throw, you could do a lot of things there. And we've seen these quarterbacks sometimes just kind of just go off late in the career. Uh, Josh McCown with the Jets kind of comes to mind with uh, when it comes to your veteran quarterback doing his crazy things, or even Trent Dilfer that year you brought up, uh, okay. or Brad Johnson with the Buccaneers. Sometimes these guys have these late surge. There you go, Rich Gannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes when you 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 got time to throw on the offensive line, 
uh, it does wonders for you. It doesn't matter who you are, quarterback. Cleveland, I can hear Cleveland itching to give another example of uh, what a strong <laughs> defense could do. Go ahead, Cleveland. Let's hear it. Well, I know I appreciate uh, both of you uh, with your optimism with regards to uh, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I don't <laughs> feel that highly about him. I, I think that if you're not going to draft um, Tua or Herbert, then you got to get Cam. If, if, you, if you're not getting Cam and you're just going into the season with Tyrod Taylor, I think you're already, uh, you know, with a Sharpie writing nine and seven down and hoping that the chicks is going <laughs> to fall, you know, in your favor. I just don't think – I've seen Tyrod Taylor play at least 60 games in the pros. I just don't think he's the guy that's going to take you to the next level and that can sustain you in that division with teams like, uh, you know, the Chiefs and, you know, in the AFC, you know, as a whole. I just don't. I don't still see it happening. But is I mean, Cam healthy though? Is Cam healthy? We don't know if Cam is healthy. He's a consistent journeyman, and he can. You know, he's not going to lose you games, but he's not going to win you any games either. I mean, he may make a few plays with his legs, but it's either Cam or draft two or Hooper, in my opinion. But we don't know if Cam's healthy, so I mean that's just as bad as getting Tua, in my opinion. You just don't know if the guy's healthy. Now you're paying him twenty million dollars. I mean for to kind of get a wishy-washy quarterback. Cause just because we don't know, and obviously with this coronavirus, he can't visit, the doctors can't put their hands mm-hmm. on him, et cetera, et cetera. We don't, just don't know how healthy it is, how healthy it is. So, so, so you compare, I'm sorry, are you comparing to a Tiger Bailoa to a NFL MVP? No, no. I'm I'm, I'm comparing two injury, injury-prone quarterbacks. That's what I'm comparing. Oh, right okay. There. okay. Two okay. injury-prone quarterbacks to each other. You kind of you kind of throwing them in the same you know the same basket now. So <laughs> you need to want to clarify. You need to quit it. You need to quit it. Um, <laughs> uh, Gilbert, let me ask you a couple questions. Paint the picture of what your war room looks like. How are you preparing for the draft? How will you be watching the draft tomorrow night? <laughs> yeah, but to me, I don't want to call it a, a unique setup because it's not that much. But I, you know, usually we'll be at the Chargers headquarters where all the TVs and. We got the the speaker phone there to talk to the players. So uh, for me, it's gonna have, I'm gonna have my TV on in my little office and my laptop in front of me. Uh, hope the Wi-Fi is okay. The thing I'm worried about is like I don't have cable. I, I'm a I'm a streamer, and I feel like if if, if I stream stuff, I'm gonna be like two minutes behind on the draft. So I'm gonna, oh, people, yeah. I'm gonna see people celebrating the picks, and I'm on my my slow stream here. I'm behind, so I'm worried about that. Uh, okay. But who knows? Uh, I can I can follow on Twitter. You know you know how things break on Twitter, so that could be a thing. But yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of excited just to watch the the, the broadcast. Everybody's gonna be working from home, staying at home. How are these reporters and players and coaches, GMs, how are they going to conduct all this, you know, draft uh, staying at home? Like, what, what, if one, what if one of the GMs loses their Wi-Fi or their power or, or say, say uh, one, of, one of the kids comes in and interrupts the, 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 the live, the live uh, show? So I'm very intrigued to see how they kind of pull this off. That that that'll be pretty funny. Some of the kid comes in there with their dirty pampers talking about <laughs> daddy, daddy, daddy. <laughs> that'll be pretty funny. Um, so you're you're a streamer, huh? What what do you what what platform do you use to stream much? Kind of off the top topic a little bit. Uh, well, I'm forgetting what I have, but I, I actually my just kind of weird. I have a I, I have my Xbox One. So on the Xbox okay. One, you could just type you could just type in the app you want, like ESPN or Netflix or whatever Hulu, and it just pops up right there. So. That's kind of what I've been doing. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why my stream is behind because I don't have one of those smart TVs where you, where it's a little more advanced. But 
I'm relying on my Xbox One here to kind of get me by, and and, and so far has been keeping me up because during the quarantine, I, I've been playing video games most of the time. Uh, okay. Now, now that it's draft draft season, I'm staying busy with the draft, but I I think I'll, I'll think the Xbox will hold up or pay off. If not, I'll just you know be good to Twitter and and follow there. Okay. Well, let the people know what what they can follow you, Gil. You have pretty good. Um, I like your Twitter page, and you're pretty consistent. Got some good topics, and, and Gilbert's a level-headed guy, so he's not way too left, way too right. <laughs> and he does. He does one thing. I gotta say, you eviscerated the XFL. You were as eviscerated. You were, you were ruthless <laughs> on the XFL. Um, and I don't see that same intensity for the Chargers, though. Well, put it this way: is it, I, okay? The XFL. We all kind of expected it wouldn't last long, and it's kind of a second tier. Uh, uh, I guess football. Uh, it didn't last long, but I'll give it a pass because of what happened with the coronavirus. But you know, by the, by you know week three or four, I was seeing optimism. I was seeing a hope. Uh, but you know, the, that first game, it, it was it was rough. You you were there. I think I think they got blown out there. They scored like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. ten points, and they couldn't they couldn't catch a, a ball. They hit them in the hands, and they right open in the end zone. Uh, but after that, it was okay. I went back to my old ways, as you said. I, Kind of in the middle, a little balance, uh, but but when you have something new, you got to give your opinion sometimes, and and that was mine. I kept it honest, and and hopefully, hopefully it comes back because it was kind of fun. But you know, as you know, it's kind of tough to to compete with the NFL. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, again, let the people know where they can find you on Twitter. Yes, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at gmonsano24, where you can read my stories at the OC Register or the LA Daily News. Uh, and I know Cammy had trouble with the su- subscribing because you were reading too many of my stories, which I appreciate. But if you, if you, you go through that same paywall, I hope you subscribe and keep reading my content. Yeah, you got good good content out there. Uh, lastly, what's your thoughts on the Chargers uniforms, the new uniforms? Do they need do they need six uniforms, Gil? <laughs> you know what? I think people love the uniforms and they just want to have a, a, a many options. So I guess it's fine, you know, having six uniforms. Uh, but yeah, I, you guys, I'm gonna tell you guys this for the first time because I don't want to be the guy who said bad things about the uniforms. I'm not, I'm not gonna say it, they were not good. They, they were great uniforms, but mm-hmm. after all the hype they they made us go through for a month, they were hyping these uniforms. I was expecting them to be blown away, and to me, it, it was just a throwback jersey. I don't, I don't know how much they changed. Think, you know? I, I agree but, with you. It was a throwback jersey. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you can't mess that up. Uh, so that was good. They kept it old school, but after all that hype, I was expecting something new, something creative, something that would just be like, you know, a, a trendsetter. But they went to the throwback, and I can't knock them. But for me, I was a little let down. Okay, I, and, and I, I somewhat agree with you, man. I, I somewhat agree with you, Gil. I want to thank you again for your time, man. I know you got a lot of things to do, a lot of people to talk to. So once again, <laughs> Gil, thank you for your time, big guy. I really appreciate it. And then we'll touch, we'll touch base soon. Uh, no problem, guys. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. Have fun. Have a good one. Talk soon, Joe.